Lost at Home podcast. Here are your hosts, Scott Bear and Jeremiah Johnson. Hi, my name is Scott. I'm Jeremiah. And welcome back to the Lost at Home podcast. Yeah, 119, which it sounds weird. Sounds like it might be one of them, their uh, prime numbers. It ain't, bitch. Nope, not a prime number. But you know what is prime this week? Our guest. He is primed and ready to go. This week we have Ben Glebe on. You may know him from his Not Ben Glebe on, Ben Glebe. Oh, oh yeah. On, to be yeah. clear, it's not Ben Because Glebe you gotta realize, on. Ben Glebe on is fuck. We couldn't get him. We were fucking... He, he is on another level. He, I mean, I, I don't want to say the next uh, Scorsese, but Ben Glebe on might actually be the next Scorsese. But we do have Ben, ben Glebe. Glebe who some of you may know from his Smodco podcast last week on Earth, which is a uh, funny, comedic take on politics and Funny and news. comedic? You don't say. Uh, <laughs> it's redundant and happens more than once. I don't yeah. know. No, actually, uh, funny and comedic, I do think, actually, are, like there are slight, are tiny distinctions different. because you can be funny without necessarily being a comedic podcast, but his, is, his podcast is, uh, is supposed to be comedic. But he's also a... And it's a good thing that it's also funny. But he's also a jack-of-all-trades. He He is is a voice actor. He's been in the Ice Age movies. He has a game show that he is the host of called Idiot Test on Game Show Network that airs on Tuesday nights. Uh, I believe it is in its third season now Mm -hmm. and was nominated for a Daytime Emmy at one point. He also is fresh off his first hour-long comedy special on Showtime that aired on June 3rd. So you're hearing this less than a week out since it aired. Correct, um, if yeah. you'd like to go find that special, definitely go search it out. It's you may, uh, you available may have, on demand. It's available on Showtime. You may and, have seen it already without even uh, listening to this. You just bumped into it because uh, Showtime's been going crazy, playing, playing it quite a bit, uh, promoting it a lot. It's been getting some great reviews. Uh, it's insanely hilarious, so you should check it out. Absolutely. Sure. And you may also know him from uh, his appearances on Chelsea Lately. Or his latest venture, Ben's, which is his rap group with himself and Ben Morrison, which you can find the first track on SoundCloud if you look up Ben's, 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 B-E-N-S, three times. And um, before we actually get into the interview, we do have to get the dirty work out of the way. Uh, We have a sponsor, as we've had for the last several weeks. Absolutely. Uh, Bambox. Bambox is a subscription box, and unlike all the other subscription boxes out there, this one not only gives you your monthly dosage of geeky goodness, toys, fun objects, things from uh, Hollywood, movies, comics, but this box specifically caters to people who want a little something extra. It includes Hollywood replicas, such as Batarangs or Jason Voorhees' mask from Halloween. Or maybe a uh, uh, Lord of the Rings gold motherfucking ring, which I got last week. Absolutely. And uh, also autographed items in every box, whether it's an autographed art print, an autographed photo like you would get at a con from a celebrity, or an autographed item. Uh, the replica Halloween, uh, not Halloween, Halloween, Friday the 13th yeah. mask, the hockey mask, All right. uh, was signed by the first actor to play Jason the Voorhees The first real film. motherfucking Voorhees. Absolutely. So this is a really high quality box. We wouldn't be hawking something just for the fun of it. We're doing this because we believe in the product. We like the company. They support our show. And if you go to our link at thelostknownpodcast.com and you click on the Bandbox link, you'll be given a redirect to their site where you can order their box. And if you use code LAH10 at checkout, you get 10% off your first order on us. And every order you place helps the show and uh, keeps the show running so you can get great interviews like the one you're about to hear right now with Ben Glebe. All right, welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Absolutely. Thank you for being on. Uh, First of all, before we jump in... Thank you for having me on. (laughs) This is going to go on forever. (laughs) Yeah, and I hope it does. No, first of all, congrats. My favorite podcast is the one that never starts. You know what I mean? Let's just keep being pleasant to each other. 
<laughs> and I would love that, actually. I, you have great ideas. That's amazing. Your ideas are the best. <laughs> but, uh, we, and you know what? Speaking of the best, your Showtime special, absolutely the best. Neurotic Gangster uh, aired, uh, ju- what, 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 what month are we in? June? Been June 3rd. July? Yes, August? Would have been, been just this past... Uh, we are in June. This is airing constantly right now. It's available on demand on the Showtime app, and it's, and it's oh my goodness. My parents are calling me from Bogota, Colombia right now. That's crazy. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Uh, and for anybody who also, I actually watch it on uh, on Amazon because you can do the Showtime add-on on that as well for relatively cheap. So you can get it all over the place, which is great. And it just aired. I've uh, been getting great reviews. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I just wanted to talk about uh, you know some of the uh, I don't know takeaways from doing that kind of special versus some of your regular stand-up stuff. It's uh, it's. It's incredible. You know, I've been working as a stand-up comedian for a long time, for 16 years, towards this exact moment, you know, to be able to share my stand-up and what I do on stage with the world and to as broad an audience as I could find in order to, you know, spread the word and hopefully get a lot more people realizing what I do as a stand-up. You know, my goal is to be, you know, seen as one of the best ever, mostly because I want to be able to create much more as much as possible to always be putting out new content, new specials and evolving my comedy. And I feel like I was holding on to that hour for too long, waiting for a special to come. So this was just a great kick in the ass that I needed to scrap the hour, retire those bits and uh, get hard to work on that next, on that next hour. Now this hour of standup you did, um, I'm kind of curious because we're always behind the scenes. We talk to people who do things, but we don't do things like you do. I mean, I, it, that's a world I can't even comprehend. Did Showtime come to you, or did you go to Showtime? We went to Showtime. We shot it in advance and just gambled that somebody would want to buy it, and luckily it happened. That's awesome. I mean, it, were there other bites, or was Showtime like the one that swooped in first and was like, we need this? Showtime just swooped in first and said, we love it, and we'd love to buy it. And um, I've always been a huge admirer of Showtime. You know, I feel like Showtime and HBO are the two like seminal places to bring your special to, and HBO doesn't even make very many these days, so... Yeah, they've actually um, uh, shifted big into drama and, uh, you know, hour-long type TV shows and sitcoms and stuff. I, I have noticed there's a deep dip in their uh, their hour-long stand-up material. It's true. So, I mean, you know, my two favorite, my two targets were Showtime and HBO, and I just couldn't be more thrilled that Showtime wanted it and is airing it and supporting it so much and putting it all over their schedule. It's really exciting. Absolutely. I've spent the week actually hearing about it almost everywhere. I mean, including from uh, your own mouth on uh, Last Week on Earth, uh, which, by the way, I've been listening to for about three years now, and it's one of my all-time favorite podcasts. Oh, I love that. Thank you very much, man. Brain Trust. That is very cool to hear. Absolutely. You even read a few of my uh, my tweets to some of your uh, questions uh, on air before, I'm sure not even realizing. What's your handle? Uh, well, it's changed over time. We go by at the lost at home. Sometimes I tweet from the uh, the show's account, but cur- uh, currently I'm uh, at Tears for Candy. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And thank you so much for participating. That's the reason that I that I did that. I always have done Twitter answers, you know, because I feel like when I was first starting my podcast, I don't know, well over five years ago now, 
uh, Greg Fitzsimmons, who's a great podcaster, sat me down, asked him for advice, and he sat me down in his dressing room at Chelsea lately when we did an episode together one day, and he gave me a bunch of tips, and one of them was the audience loves to be involved in the podcast and loves to, you know, hear their name included in it, and so if you can, you know, take questions from the audience, things like that, and I thought that was good advice, but I also, you know, feel like in general, entertainment is a little bit too one-sided, especially in something like a podcast that it's so much about you're speaking with the audience, hopefully you respect. And I've always been so impressed with how clever in general the people that kind of support my comedy are in their own Twitter feeds and are in life. And so instead of doing Twitter questions where I would take questions, I thought it would be a cool thing to do Twitter answers and ask my audience something every week and just see what it is that they have to say on a particular topic and I always found that kind of interesting and enriching so it's more of a two-way conversation that way oh it's a it's a great twist on the format and I've actually been asked and this is a an aside um I've been asked by several other people who've thought about getting into podcasting but have had the worry of like I don't have a co-host I don't have someone who can do it with me can I succeed by doing a podcast solo and I've pointed everyone who's asked me that question to your show as the glowing example of what a podcast can be with a, a single host. Uh, I don't think any other show carries itself as well in that sense because it's really putting a lot of weight on your shoulders to not only deliver the material but make it entertaining and have no one to bounce off of at all. I mean, minus the episodes where you have guests like Ben Morrison or anyone else. Right. No. Um, thank you for saying that. It's a high compliment. Um, I really do like that format. You know, I first got the idea because I intended on doing it with guests always originally, and I came out the gate with this incredible lineup of guests. My first, you know, six guests, I think, were Blake Griffin from the Clippers, Megan McCain, then it was Andy Dick, Aisha Tyler, Sophia Bush, Dane Cook, like a pretty stellar first lineup of guests. And over the years, over the years, I've had, you know, U.S. Senators and people from the House of Representatives, and I've had crazy, I've had Bob Odenkirk and Moby and Brian Cranston and just truly incredible people. Um, and But on one of my first episodes, maybe in the first 10 episodes, I had Bobby Leon, and I do this very long intro by myself before I bring the guest on, and Bobby's first thing he says was like, Ben, you're a machine. I could listen to you for hours. Why do you even have guests on? <laughs> And it put the thought in my head, like, hmm, I really do have so much to say about politics and so many things I want to share and try to explain to the audience and try to get a conversation going that's more substantive than a lot of what the news regurgitates to us and just repeating talking points to us. So I decided from when he said that again, that light bulb went off and I'm like, I'm going to do it solo a lot of the time. And it's cool. I mean, it's just, it's, it's fun that people still are engaged by it and find it entertaining oh absolutely and uh, everyone who i've pointed in your direction has come back to me after and said basically like they love it but they're still afraid of doing it themselves which i i get i, I think i'd be a little nervous without jerry here as my co-host well yeah there's that the kind of uh, benefit of being able to have an off day and be able to kind of take a little of the pressure off and actually i was curious about uh you know in terms of some of the other stuff you do where there's you know uh 
a production company or, you know, directors or writers or, you know, some schedule to actually maintain how you can uh, or, or what kind of pressure you really put on yourself when doing something like a podcast, which is generally free and something, you know, you might, uh, you know, make a few bucks on here and there. But for the most part, it's, you know, you kind of giving to your audience and it's not always necessary to uh, kind of like social media to keep up on it, kind of uh, what you do and what kind of pressure you put on yourself to actually keep that going. A lot of pressure. You know, I've I've never made any money whatsoever on the podcast. I've never actively pursued advertisers. The very beginning, uh, Smodcast got me a couple, but that essentially made me break even. The podcast runs in a deficit for me financially every week, but I just love to do it, like you said, just to give that as kind of a gift to my audience and to people who support my comedy. And hopefully, you know, that just helps create people's, loyalty towards what I do and they'll come see me live and they'll maybe, you know, support my stand up special and they'll buy my buy my albums when they come out or whatever it might be, support my T V show, Idiot Test, things like that. And that all seems to be coming true. I mean, you know, Idiot Test is the most watched original show on the network now and I'm sure the Brain Trust who listens to my podcast is no small part of that. And my special when it debuted last Friday on Showtime Neurotic gang, hashtag Neurotic Gangster was trending nationwide on Twitter, which was a first for me and was a really incredible feeling. So I feel like that pays off, but um, definitely it's a lot of pressure, especially like you're saying when you're in production on stuff. And usually I still try to make it happen, um, but I have had to take two times extended breaks from the podcast, which I really regret having to had to do. But I was just a little bit burnt out because I'm a one man. Because it's not even a one-hour podcast of just my random ramblings and thoughts. I really try to take seriously what I do on the podcast. It's called Last Week on Earth because I cover the most important stories that happened during the last week on Earth, news, politics, a little bit of pop culture. And so I have to research it. I have to formulate my opinions on it. I often pre-write a lot of it. And so it's like a one-man news bureau. I kind of look at it like, thank God I've got Chris Carter at at UK Brain Trust, my uh, British bureau that does the that comes up with the topics of the Thunder Round stories for me, but I still have to read them and research them and formulate ideas on them. Um, but generally it's by myself and, you know, I'm taking on what shows like last week tonight or the daily show do, but they have a staff of, you know, well over a hundred people doing it and I'm doing it solo. So it's a lot of pressure and I have had to take two breaks, but I'm back now and uh, I'm really enjoying doing it again, and I hope I don't have to stop doing it again anytime in the near future. Well, I'll definitely, uh, you know, give you kudos for that too. And, and you're absolutely right in terms of it uh, turning people onto your material because, um, I mean, I actually found out about your uh, material in general because of the podcast through Scott, actually, who introduced me to that as um, specifically that uh, weird, uh, that kind of stream of consciousness episode that you showed me to uh, showed me a while ago. Oh, the and, one with Ben Morrison from like thirty episodes ago. Correct. And since then, oh, I've, yeah. I've, I've managed to ingest like pretty much anything else I could find about you, and, uh, and including you know some of the stuff you already mentioned. Uh, going watching your idiot uh, clip tests. Uh, I mean, idiot test clips, and also watching. Um, I just recently today wanted to watch kind of a condensed. A uh, bunch of stuff from you on Chelsea lately. So there's a reel that you put together on Vimeo with just a kind of a best of 15 minutes of some of your best oh, tabs and stuff like that. I'm so embarrassed about that reel. I'm, I'm, I'm like actually <laughs> really embarrassed that that it's that it's still up there un, un, unlocked because that was the best of of my Chelsea appearances from the first season oh, of the early. show. Yeah. And we did six more seasons after that, and I got way better and more <laughs> polished. 
Well, it's, I need it, to put together a new one. Yeah, because because uh, I mean, I but the good thing is even finding that that was just today where I just wanted kind of a, a quick condensed uh, version of some of the some of the Chelsea lately stuff that I wasn't as familiar with, but. Um, but it certainly works. I feel like it's one of those things where it's it's always a gamble and it it's just time investment. But some people, I think, underestimate, especially when you're busy in so many other fields, what that time investment can be. Um, and that actually brings me to kind of a point I wanted to bring up about the fact that you kind of are all over the place. And that I know gets brought up a lot in interviews, the fact that you... Um, Got you. You're very, very busy. Anyway, uh, in terms of what you do for uh, game show uh, host, uh, talk shows, um, you've even done voice acting for animated films, regular acting, uh, stand up. Obviously, your stand up specials. Just curious, with all of these different jobs, uh, if any one stands out as being a greater challenge than the others, um, or if there is actually one that stands out for you know overall being easier relative to the uh, to the others. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I definitely, you know spread myself out into a lot of things um, and I just because I love doing them all and I've never been able to focus down I've been given the advice over my career many times to that I would you know be able to probably succeed and get to the top faster if I focused on the one that was hitting the, the best or the hardest you know, even my dear friend Craig Robinson gave me that advice years ago when I wasn't sure if I should keep doing everything or focus on he said focus on the one that's giving you the most traction that people are receiving the best because once you get to the top then you can do everything which is good advice, but I just can't do it. It's just not in my nature. Even in my stand-up act, even in my stage persona, I don't focus on one type of comedy like so many comedians do. I don't have one style. I talk about some social commentary, some silly things, some dirty things, some personal stories, some political things, some crowd work where I just improvise with people sitting in the audience. I can't not do all of it. I just love it all that way, and I think that came across in, in my special. So... I just decided to keep being me, and hopefully the audience likes it and likes the refreshingness of not having just one type of joke hit, you know, beat into your head the whole time. So probably the one that comes easiest to me is stand-up um, or hosting TV shows. I think those two come the easiest to me. I've always just been fascinated by them and just connected to those two forms. Um, stand-up's my most connected to just my soul really like what I love to do. And it's just like my perspective on the world is that of a stand comedian. I've always, you know, since I was a young boy, I was influenced hugely by George Carlin and the way he saw the world and could like take a topic and really like deconstruct the logic flaws and the way people think while making it just the most brilliantly hilarious cartoony way of explaining those points that would make you laugh hysterically while you also think, I think he shaped my brain a lot. Um, so those are the easiest. The hardest for me probably is regular acting. Um, I'm a trained actor. I've studied acting since college and in many um, places in L.A. in the years after college, the shop, Simply Acting, with Andrew McGarrion, a great coach, and then Leslie Kahn, um, which is a renowned comedy acting workshop house. And uh, I love it. I love to act, but it's, to me it's the greatest challenge. I think I'm a, I'm a very good actor, but there's a lot of very good actors in this town, and it's it's an area where I think I probably have less unique skills. So I have to work harder to get roles and to excel at those roles. Um, I even just shot my first dramatic acting role ever in Robert Heyman's short film called Channel. It's a science fiction short that comes out that takes place 100 years in the future, and they're almost done editing it, and hopefully we'll be able to, I'll be able to show that to everybody soon. But but I love challenging myself in that way. And that sometimes I think, should I stop acting? Because it's the thing that comes least 
easily to me, but that's what I also love about it because I love challenging myself in any way I can in life. And it's also just so fun because most of the other things I do are so autonomous and it's so my own personality just gets to, and my own like work ethic gets to influence the product so much because I also produce so many of the projects that I do and write them. And so acting is one where like, it's almost meditation for me. It's like playing basketball in a way because I'm just part of a team. I'm just a cog in the machine. And I love like getting to just play a small part and do what I'm asked as opposed to always setting the agenda. Oh, that's great. Um, now, speaking of all the roles Jared just laid out in front of you, asking which is hardest, which is easiest, you've recently reinvented yourself in a new way with Ben's, uh, your rap group yeah. with Ben Morrison. Uh, I, I would be remiss to, not to bring this up. Uh, I listen to the track, and I like it a lot. Thank you. Now... My question is, at its heart, uh, you and Ben Morrison uh, podcast together all the time. Uh, he's probably your most frequent guest. And mm-hmm. uh, we mentioned earlier about 30 episodes ago, you did that very experimental episode of Last Week on Earth where you didn't report on the news at all. You just had like a stream of consciousness, uh, skits, singing, like just fun time with your friend. Um would that ever evolve into maybe a side project or a, a separate offshoot podcast? That's so funny you say that. Ben and I have been talking for the last two, three weeks about doing exactly that. We've been <laughs> talking about starting a stream of consciousness, improv, comedy, free-flowing podcast. Because whenever, even when he comes on on normal episodes, we often go on these weird riffs and tangents. And we, we did that one that was... Um, completely like that, like you're referring to. I'm really curious to hear what you guys think and what you thought about it. I'm guessing you enjoyed it because um, you're asking the question. But yeah, we really would like to do that. And we think we could record a bunch of them in just a few days and bank them because he and I have a, have a really unique comedic chemistry. And we were thinking maybe we would invite on sometimes other comedians who are good at improv and riffing to sometimes sit in with us and just be part of this weird flow i think that would be a a great great thing to do um i've listened to uh the last say three years worth of last week on earth um from when i first you know found the show all the way up until now and the episode that i'm referring to from about 30 episodes ago uh is the only one i've listened to multiple times and i think i'm up to three or four times hearing it all the way through now Wow, I I, cool. I, re- I really enjoy it as just this weird piece of comedic art. Well, we listened to it actually on the way to record one of our podcasts that was supposed to be a little goofier as inspiration of sorts, as to get us loosened up to realize how important it is to like not necessarily stay in this little targeted zone that you can, you know, kind of like turn your brain to a little bit of a sponge and you know, kind of when you hear somebody else just doing off the cuff stuff that's hilarious, it just kind of opens your mind up a little bit, kind of expands it. So. I mean, I love to hear that so much. That's very cool. Yeah, that, that's. I'm going to tell Ben about this as soon as this podcast is done. And I think, you know, just hearing those words is probably what's going to push us into actually doing this. Because our rap group, like you mentioned too, we just launched this rap group called Ben's. And he and I, for years, improvise on stage together. And he sometimes opens for me on the road. Or if I'm doing a guest set on one of his shows here in town, um, he often, and I do a lot of crowd work and improv during my set, I often will, uh, Ben and I will join forces together on stage at the end of the show and he'll beatbox and drop jokes in between me freestyle rapping with the people that I improvised with. And we love doing it, but we always talked about 
should we actually formally like release a track and create a rap group? I've always loved hip hop and I um have always been pretty good at freestyle rapping. I'm much better at it when I'm stoned, to be honest. But um <laughs> I think all rappers are actually though. I think that's probably true. And um so I um I thought it would be a fun project. I used to be in a rap group before called Fun Mountain, F-U-N-M-T-N. We had one song that we released called Beats in My Van. It's on YouTube. We have a great video on YouTube and the tracks on iTunes. And and um, I loved it, and that project fell apart after that one song. And I was sort of like the backup rapper in that group anyway and always wanted one that could like more well highlight my my uh, lyrical skills as a rapper and Ben is such a great singer and beatboxer and music creator and just such a funny presence that I thought we'd be a great combo together. So I think we're going to be doing a lot more of that, hopefully, if people like our, our song, Anti-Social Media. Absolutely. And if uh, people want to find this, uh, the well, your group, Ben's, uh, it can be found on SoundCloud at Ben's, 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 with S's, not Z's. Correct. There you go. Um, and uh, I guess uh, while we're talking uh, off-the-cuff type stuff in general, we've got a little bit of a sort of an off-the-cuff game, if you will, that we give to all of our guests. Uh, these are the 10 questions uh, you've never been asked before in an interview. We assume you've probably been in some weird interviews and been asked some weird things, but uh, we hope that some of the stuff we bring to the table here is something maybe that's uh, just a little, uh, well, you can react off-the-cuff to. So if you're willing to start with that, we would like to go into some 10 questions with you. So excited. All right. Uh, so let's see. You want me to? I'll take the odds. You right. take the odds. I'll All take right. the evens. So the uh, the first one we start out with. This is always just a little softball to give to every single one of our guests. Uh, we're kind of compiling. We might be able to create a book out of it someday of what all our guests have answered <laughs> of this uh, or a best of. But uh, who is your favorite Ghostbuster? Bill Murray. All right. Bankman, he's a, he's a solid one, man. He's I think he's ranked up almost he, the he, highest. He's the highest with uh, uh, Egon in second place easily. Uh, I I hate to say it. Yeah, I, I like Egon. Yeah. I like Aykroyd. I like Ernie Hudson. I mean, yeah. I don't know if anybody's answered Ernie Hudson. I, I, I unfortunately I think Ernie Hudson may have may have never gotten a vote yet. Actually. I don't think it's because anyone dislikes him. I think a lot of people forget the actor's name. That's true. Yeah, and a lot of people right. don't remember. Yeah, that's good. All right, which is kind of sad. I interviewed I mean, Ernie Hudson years ago, but to me, there's nobody funnier, better, more. More deadpan, more hilarious, and just like a, just a, a just a, a joy to see on screen presence as, as Bill Murray. So I'm a huge fan of him. Oh, absolutely! All right, uh, moving on to number two, and this is a uh, this is a two parter. Uh, part one: What was your favorite Halloween costume as a kid? Hmm, that I wore. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, let's so. go with that. Um, favorite Halloween costume as a kid, man. I was a young boy. I wore a uh, George Herbert Walker Bush mask, and it was just weird because I was probably one of the only people in elementary school that was wearing a presidential mask. It was a big, hot plastic mask, and doing the voice. I had to make the <laughs> mouth hole bigger so I could do the voice all day, wa- walking around school doing my George H.W. Bush impression, <laughs> and kids thought it was funny and also av- avoided me the rest of the day. <laughs> so, it, was, it, was a, yeah, it was a twofer. So you were political from a very young age. I guess I was. I guess I was. Yeah, yeah. I, That's interesting. I, I do remember trying to steal the uh, uh, George Bush uh, impersonation from uh, Dana Carvey quite a bit. I used to just do his. Yeah, I pretty time. much stole mine from him as well. I mean, he was such an inspiration to me growing up. I started as an impressionist, and he was like my complete hero 
just he was always the funniest guy in the world and a lot of my impressions were inspired by by his impressions early on yeah right uh, and now for uh, part two of the question number two um, since Halloween has become an excessive excuse to dress slutty uh, yeah, costume wise <laughs> what's your favorite slutty Halloween costume as an adult not necessarily one you have worn in this yeah, case not to uh, wear just, just, just in general thank you <laughs> um, I want to be a sexy strawberry. Just slutty George Herbert Walker Bush. Boom, done. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, that's a that's a hard question. There's so many good ones. Yeah. Sexy cop is pretty good. Um, yeah, handcuffs. Sexy nurse. <laughs> Devil's pretty solid one. Um, sexy cop's a pretty good one. Yeah. Schoolgirls, pretty solid. I mean, I'm I'm like pretty much like a generic man when it comes to that. I just love any very revealing slutty outfit it's one day a year where you get to walk around and it's just heaven of candy on the eyes it's a it's a store of heavenly candy um i remember i had a very fun evening one time with a with a uh, female police officer or so she was purporting to be that evening (laughs) um and um i just think it's the the most fun I, i did a comedy video years ago for whip it out comedy um called with a jc coakley it's called sexy halloween costume guide and it's me as a perverted odd uh halloween costume store employee and jc coakley walks in it's available online i'm pretty sure it's on youtube she walks in to um get a costume and all of my suggestions are just slutty suggestions (laughs) and um it ends in a in a pretty surprising funny way too very nice. All, All right, right. Uh, so we'll, we'll go with cop as being the the the, the winner in uh, that in that one there. And I agree, um, but honestly, but really the winner is uh, is any anybody but, who gets to look at them. Yes, <laughs> but cop in like the way that cops never dress, which is like literally <laughs> cop with a short black skirt on, which would be completely impractical for for copping. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like somebody dressed up as a, with an actual cop outfit, it's like the least sexy thing out there, at least slutty thing out there, I should say. Also is, illegal. Is I believe through. it's illegal to impersonate an officer. <laughs> to literally, yeah. So you got to make it seem yeah, like I you're Yeah, I think definitely. they kind of look the other way on Halloween, especially when the outfit is so implausible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if you remember, I think maybe the cop thing started during that very hot scene from Days of Thunder when Nicole Kidman pulled over Tom Cruise and uh, frisked him, and she was dressed as a sexy cop. And it got burned into my brain, as it did is, because they got married shortly thereafter. True. Oh yeah, that works. If you wanna, if you wanna brainwash a Scientologist, you just get to dress as a sexy cop. That's how it's done. That's the antidote to Scientology <laughs> brainwashing: is sexy cop. Just sexy cop. <laughs> where you just have them flood into the Scientology offices. Um, all right. Yeah. We're gonna move on to number three. Uh, if you could live your life as a famous action movie character, who would it be? Not the actor that played them, but uh, which action movie character would you like to live your life as? Wow, for whatever reason, the first one that popped into my head was Arnold Schwarzenegger in Last Action Hero. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's one of my favorites. But that's not my answer. My (laughs) answer would have to be more generic. It would have to be James Bond, just because he's just the greatest. He gets all the girls. He helps the the, the good guys. He's got the best gadgets and cars. Or, I take it back. I take both those back. I'm going to go right in the middle and go Batman. Gotta go, Batman. Oh, he's got a little bit of both. You're right. Yeah. He's got the he's a little got bit the... of both. He's kind of James Bond. He's kind of more traditional action hero. And you still he's got the got Bruce Wayne Playboy part of it. You can play with too. So big time. No, I think that's a pretty pretty solid answer. I'm gonna stick with Batman mostly because I'm Batman. 
<laughs> I knew it. And if you ever get tired it. of people punching you, you just stop being Batman and just go full Bruce Wayne. Yeah, take a little break. Exactly. You can just go full Bruce Wayne for a while. I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right, because you are, you are Batman. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, question number anybody. four. <laughs> we'll cut that one out. Uh, what's the most awkward celebrity encounter that has ever happened to you? Wow, I've had so many. <laughs> um, so many awkward celebrity encounters. There are a few that pop in the head. One, I was one time dressed as this ridiculous blonde hypnotist character that I play, Zoran Zoran. He wears a long blonde mullet and handlebar mustache. He talks like this, he's a real odd duck. And I showed up at the improv one night to perform as this character on stage. And I tend to be a little bit method when I go in character. And I showed up at the improv in character in full costume and wouldn't break the entire time. That's right. <laughs> and I walk in and Fiona Apple is there with with Brian Callum. I'm a big Fiona Apple fan. I love her music. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But I refuse to break character. So Callan is about to introduce me as Ben or if he even recognizes me and I just cut in I'm like hi I'm Zoran Zoran you're hot hot and then he just makes the stupidest jokes in the world and stupid puns all the time and so I literally said to this brilliant subtle dark artist Fiona Apple I said Fiona Apple like the fruit (laughs) (laughs) she just said yeah yeah like the fruit oh you never wanted to like and break character more in your life to be like that's not me please I know I was tempted that time but I was too committed to it and then another weird one uh, another weird moment was definitely um, two weird moments back to back happened um, Chelsea many years ago Chelsea Handler invited me to go with her to Jane Fonda's 75th birthday party and I'm in this party and it's the Illuminati of Hollywood I mean it's just the most insane A-list list of people. I mean, Tom Hanks and Barbara Streisand is there, and Ewan McGregor and Sean Penn and Bill Maher is walking around, and Quincy Jones and Eva Longoria, um, and Sally Field is there, and Sally Field looks so good. And I can know at the time she was 65 years old, but she had this great skirt on and heels and just looked like a million dollars and I'm on the top of the staircase just me and Sally Field hanging out and I'm hitting on Sally Field I mean I'm, I'm shamelessly hitting on her and Chelsea comes upstairs like it was like a sexy vibe somebody walked by with a tray of hors d'oeuvres and I took one asked Sally if she wanted one she's like no I'll just watch you eat it and I'm like that sounds good to me it's kinky but I'm in beautiful and Chelsea all of a sudden walks up that staircase and sees me talking to Sally Field, Hollywood legend, amazing Academy Award winning actress, and says to Sally Field without missing a beat, be careful with this guy, he's a real lady killer. And I just thought that was so surreal and strange. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome, man. That, that's a good it one. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> and then at that same party, um, moments later, Eva Longoria walks in and Sally Field, I can see, is about to now head to the door, and I have one move to make. Am I going to pursue Sally Field and stop her from leaving or go try to talk to Eva Longoria? And it was a hard choice, but I ended up going Eva Longoria, and I let Sally Field leave, and then I went towards Eva, and she sees me, and she gets, like, real excited. Apparently she recognizes me from Chelsea lately. She got, like, super happy to see me, knew who I was. I, was, I never thought that would happen. And... 
I start talking to her, and throughout the night, she begins hitting on me in like a legitimately serious way, or at least in, she was hitting on me in a, in a real way. I was stunned. I couldn't believe this was actually happening. And so, the one of the hottest women on earth. And so, at the end of the night, I'm sitting there around a fire pit with Eva Longoria, Chelsea Handler, Bill Maher, Jane Fonda, Olivia Dabo, um, and Eva's about to leave. And so I had like one chance to make my move. And so in front of this whole group, I say to Eva, uh, we should hang out sometime. Uh, what's your number? And she gets kind of quiet and she goes, uh, Ben, you know I have a boyfriend, right? And I was like, oh. and I should have said, no, I didn't, because I didn't know, but I instead said, yeah, no, no, of course. I meant like for lunch sometime. And so she gives me her phone number, and I was able to save face a little bit. And believe it or not, I waited like a cool six days to call, and taking me a swinger's advice. And I call six days later, and I don't remember the name of her production company, but they pick up and they said something like Longoria Productions. Okay. And I'm like, oh, she gave me the business line. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, is Eva there? And so they're like, no, she's not here much this summer. I'm like, Schedule a lunch for when she comes back from uh, exactly. you know, parents with her uh, you know, boyfriend or whatever. Uh, well, I feel like up exactly. until that moment, uh, you pretty much had the, the coolest. Like, you, you just chop that nugget out, and you have something to hold on to for any time you're in, like, a down period. Be like, yeah, could have could have gone home with Sally Field, but Ava Longoria walked in, and I was like, I'm going to go with that. So... And it was working. I know, it's true. And then I ran into Sally Field at the Oscars a couple of months later um, at the Governor's Ball, and she had just lost for Lincoln. And she's about to sit down at a table with Steven Spielberg and Daniel Day-Lewis. And I went up to Sally Field, and I said, Hey, and she goes, Hi. And I go, Remember me? We were hanging out at uh, Jane Fonda's birthday. And she goes, Okay, and she couldn't have cared less. Oh. I guess after you, after you lose the Oscar, you're not looking for some for some young D. I guess I don't well, know what what I'm, the problem. I'm was. surprised. I figured that would when you when you could jump on in there and just be like, hey, shoulder to cry. I don't remember our sexy I know. Thing, but no, exactly. She was vulnerable. I thought it was my my best chance in there, uh-huh. and perhaps all of these awkward moments topped by as I was walking into the governor's ball. I was very drunk because it's an open bar during the Oscars. So every commercial break, I was hopping out to that bar and miss some of the show because you get locked out when the show comes back on. I was just drinking and drinking. I'm walking into the governor's ball, very drunk, and I look to my left and literally shoulder to shoulder with me is Steven Spielberg. And I literally thought it would be so funny to say this. I just turned to Steven Spielberg and I go, sorry, I haven't been able to do your movies, bro. I've been really busy. <laughs> oh my and God. He just half smiles and half looks like I'm a psycho, and he and Kate Capshaw immediately walk far away from me. <laughs> that is hilarious, though. And, uh, the thing is, because uh, part of it was probably like, yeah, the guy's joking, but the other part is like, he probably doesn't know everybody who he's tried to offer a movie to, like, in show. Totally. He's so far above. Like, you could be an A level actor, and he still doesn't know who what your fucking name is because he's still Steven Spielberg. And so, totally. oh my God. 
I oh. thought there was a decent chance that, that, that he maybe thought, like, is this somebody I reached out to? <laughs> He'd apologize <laughs> and pull out a card. I, and... <laughs> I, I like the thought of this being That's the right. inverse. If we asked him this question, if, if, if we were to, like, ever meet him and ask this, then he would have the same answer. He'd be like, one time I was at this fucking party, this guy was, like, turned to me, and I didn't know if I should know him or not. And he said, sorry, <laughs> I haven't been able to do your movie, bro. And I felt so weird not knowing if, oh, yeah. I think this is his. It'll be a great moment. story if I end up in his movies one day. Yeah, exactly. If not, I'll, if not, I will just remain on a Steven Spielberg watch list. Good, good. All right. Um, well, hey, we're ready to move on to number five. Five. Yeah, five here. All right. Uh, question number five. Uh, if you had the power to end one specific social media, major social media platform, which one would you erase from the earth? Wow, that's a good question. It's all that power in your hand, man. And you wow. can't say LinkedIn because we all would like LinkedIn <laughs> to go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you heard my rap song, you know my feelings about LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah definitely. One major social media platform yeah, to go away. Part, I, I would have said Facebook, but Facebook lately all of a sudden seems to be the most real and most substantive one. So I can't say that. I love Twitter. And I truly love Instagram and truly love Snapchat. And those are the major ones I'm on. I would say, oh, got it, easy, Vine. I was waiting for it. Okay, I knew yeah, you yeah. were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured yeah. it was going to be that one. I, I, I should have actually put the four like big ones that I knew you loved to make you, make you make a Sophie's Choice from, from all of yes. this. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, Vine okay. is, the, is the choice because I just think it's such poison that like they've literally reduced our already yeah. evaporated attention span into six seconds, which is just absurd. Well, I feel it's like just there's... so short. And I tried to play the game. I was trying to do vines. I was like staying up all night trying to create perfect loops that nobody gave a crap about. And I'm like, this is I I, I just had to quit it. It's at least with as the I other say ones... in my song, I quit vine because fuck it. Fucking's the only thing I need to do for six seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful line right there. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the thing I feel about it, too, is uh, the other ones, like, no matter how much I hate them at, like, at a given time, I can then make myself love them again by realizing there's, there's some substantive material out there for them. But yeah, I just, I yeah. can't, I've never been able to get that from Vine. I don't think there's really that much. And like you said, when you try to do it, uh, it's like people just fucking ignore it or they just, or they might like it for a second and it's gone. Put To put that much effort into something, you could get way more returns out of all the other social media platforms. So I'm there with you, Big man. Let's, let's fuck off, Vine. Um, all right. Big time. Fuck you, Vine. Yeah. Take a stand. All right. Uh, question number six. Uh, tell us what your favorite food is, but make it sound sexual. Sushi for obvious reasons. Okay. <laughs> for obvious reasons. I don't know what you mean by make it sound sexual. Oh, we weren't sure either. We were just <laughs> we were just throwing something at the wall. But that actually works. That works because uh, you're hey let let your let your mind go there, listener. Well, look, um, it just tastes delicious. It's this like lovely, soft, delicate food item that melts in your mouth you can eat it all day you can eat it all night there's all you can eat sushi places that you frequent and you don't even feel dirty about it because it's light and it's healthy and it makes you feel young again wow is that sexual enough that, for you that's yeah. actually that's sexual and poignant that's like straight on that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> sexual and poignant that's a lot of my work is is often reviewed. <laughs> it's showtime special neurotic gangster, sexual, sexual and poignant. And poignant. <laughs> oh. All right, we uh, have you ever played the game Fuck Mary Kill? Number seven is a Fuck Mary Kill. I have indeed. Okay, so Fuck Mary Kill. I've got the well, just keeping it to the world of game show hosts here. Fuck Mary Kill. Bob Barker, Pat Sajak, Alex Trebek. Wow, 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 wow. I told you, that's why I didn't feel bad about not giving you that Sophie's Choice question before, because this is going to be one for yes. you. Yes. 
Yeah, it's a tough one. I think I would probably... I hate to say it, but I would probably... Oh, gosh. Mm, it's hard. It's a very, very hard question. I respect Alex Trebek a huge amount, and, you know, he's one of the classics. Jeopardy's one of my favorite game shows, but of... I love playing with my parents and battling them, but of the three, you have to kill Trebek okay. because he would just be a know-it-all in, in, in the household. You don't want that around. doesn't seem like he'd be, be a particularly great time in bed. So you kill Trebek, and then Barker you probably fuck because he seems like a crazy guy. He seems like he's a little dirty in his brain, <laughs> and, you know, you, there's no chance of getting him pregnant because you know he's spayed and neutered. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. And then you have to marry, marry Pat Sajak because... Just seems like a nice, amiable guy. He'd probably prepare dinner and say, "Like, why are you home so late, honey?" And I'd be like, "Listen, Pat, I have a life. Don't you understand?" <laughs> and occasionally, uh, maybe we could do a little threesome action with good old Vanna White. So yeah, that's um, the Vanna card. Yeah, you can always you play. That's true. I, I, that's, I, I think that's the move. That's good. I, this is one of the few times I hadn't actually had a, a thought, uh, a time to think about my own answer beforehand, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I can think of it any other way now. i got to go with uh, all Thank your answers you. on that. It's beautiful. Thank Point, you. Uh, Although sexual maybe if, and poignant. That's if Trebek grows back the mustache, there's some tickling bonus points. Maybe you have to reassess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll call you back when uh, if, if Trebek goes back to full uh, full, full stash. Yeah, full Selleck, yeah. Thank you all so right. much. All right, uh, number eight. If you could be Kanye West's manager for a day, what would you tell him to do first? Interesting, interesting question. Um, hmm. I would tell Kanye to just focus more on the music. You know, I haven't listened a ton yet to Life of Pablo, but I have listened a bit. None of the songs grabbed me in any great way, and I love his music. And the, He's one of my favorite rappers, for sure, and he's so inventive. But I would say focus more on the music, and you don't need to be shifting his, and giving him the advice that Craig Robinson gave me that I didn't take and he won't take it either but um, you don't need to be making shoe lines and clothing lines right no. now just focus more on like creating brilliant brilliant music because when he does it it's some of the best ever yeah. I'm cool with his Twitter rants and his insanity um, I just think it's interesting and I like when people use their wits to manipulate the often superficial stupid weird world of social media maybe lay off the Bill Cosby's innocent tweets however yeah that one really uh, took him back a little ways actually uh, and I, I, the other thing I was going to say is uh, there's actually that connection between him and Fiona Apple where I, I believe I mean musically one of my favorite albums of Kanye West was actually uh, when he got uh, the When the Pawn uh, Fiona Apple's producer for that album uh, specifically because Kanye loved that album and actually got him to produce the Kanye second album, which was one of one of the better of the Kanye albums too. So he's got that little random, just trying to make a weird thread connection between that and like a callback to something else we talked about earlier. Well, that was another weird celebrity encounter I had. I sort of met Kanye once. I was at the Grammys and I'm sitting in the floor of Staples Center right near their second stage and all of a sudden, Kanye West shows up. He's about to go on that second stage during a commercial break. He's wearing the sequin jacket, and he's 10 feet from me. I'm sitting in the middle of the road, and I just got so excited to see Kanye West. There are all these music legends all around me, celebrities. I just stood up and said, Kanye! And he looks directly into my eyes in a quarter second, puts together that I do not... That, that he does not know me and just does not acknowledge my existence and looks right away and I had to so uncomfortably sit back down it was so awesome and then right then Aziz Ansari texted me 
and I guess he was sitting up in the first section, up in the actual seats off the floor, and he says to me, did I just see you be <laughs> on the floor there, stand up near Kanye West? And I'm like, yeah, what's up, buddy? And my friend and I went and sat with him and his friend for a while. Um, I was very mortified. Oh. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's, that's, that's a little bonus segment there. That's good. All right, uh, we've got, uh, let's see, number nine here. So Scott and I, uh, I'm not really sure what kind of movies you're re- really into overall, but Scott and I are big horror movie fans, so we're always curious to folk, for folks uh, to answer what your favorite horror movie is. That's a good question. I'm not um, sure if you like the genre or not, but some, everybody knows enough of a, about a horror movie or has some experience with, with one. Of so. course, of course. I mean, Hitchcock's really, Hitchcock's really my, my favorite. I love the movie Marnie. I love Birds. Psycho is probably my favorite if I had to choose one. Um, oh, I take it all back. I take it all back. The Shining is just so good, and yeah. I love Jack Nicholson. He's so creepy in that. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, the redo? Uh, what was it? A ABC miniseries that was done a few years ago with the guy from Wings. You mean like like a few years ago, like fifteen? Years like ago? fifteen, twenty years ago. <laughs> like yeah. where like some of our the listeners were born yet? Nest? I mean the redo of a. Uh, of, of, Shining? of Shining, yeah, there, yeah. yeah. There was a, a mini series. I believe it was like six hours long, and Stephen King wrote it, well, the teleplay it, Steve, for Stephen it. Stephen King actually had like a lot of control over this one, and he tried to make it more like the book. I'm curious uh, before I put any of my uh, opinions into it, what other people think of it. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I ever saw it, so right, I would well, like don't. to say that it was one of my favorites. Oh no! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will. I will give you this, uh, uh, or I will tell you this about it. It's it's probably worth watching if you read the book and really enjoyed like every word of the book or something. But uh, sometimes giving the author complete creative control over something is not necessarily the best option. Because guess what? Maybe Stanley Kubrick knew a little bit more about how to make a great film than uh, than Stephen King. Stephen King made a great yeah. story, but the, believe me, it it. it I, I liked it, but it, it definitely it, it was not nothing even close to what those two stand alone on their own, like the the book and the movie that Stanley Kubrick made. So I'm right there with you. That's on one of my tops uh, for horror movies. Absolutely. Yeah, super, 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 super creepy. All right, uh, last question number ten. In ten words or less, tell us what the world would be like if Donald Trump becomes president. Fucked. 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 Fucked, 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 so fucked. Perfect. That's exactly ten. Yeah, yeah. I'm and and say, I, I agree. One entirely. of those, one of those fucks sound a little bit long, uh, like it was two words. But I'm gonna go ahead and hyphenate that one. Give it ten. So, uh, we're, yeah, we're pretty good on that one. I, I agree, nice. agree wholeheartedly on that one. We didn't actually get a chance to pick your brain too much about politics because, uh, well, uh, I, I feel like that would have just. Uh, evolved or evolved i don't know into something another an additional hour i would say uh out of that yes it would have devolved into an hour of anger (laughs) rant and people could just listen to last week on earth for that that's actually what i was going to say is if you actually want to hear some of those rants and probably i would say that mirror what scott and i feel already uh then sometimes we rant about the same stuff then you should listen to uh last week on earth because that's probably just going to give you exactly what you would have heard so now, uh, before we let you go and uh, shout out again all of your many, many projects, uh, we made one extra game for the show that we discussed with you ahead of time. And um, if you still have time for it, we'd like to jump into our own little game, Neurotic Gangster. Let us do it. All right. Neurotic Gangster, of course, pulls the title from your current Showtime special. And what we like to do here is we're going to read you 10 quotes. Uh, the quotes either come from Woody Allen being neurotic or Al Capone being a gangster. 
And it is your job to tell us which person says which quote. I love it. All right. Uh, we're going to do the same thing we did before. We're just going to go uh, odds and evens. Uh, Jer, I'll take odds. You got it. Start okay. it up. And uh, here we go. Number one. Now I know why tigers eat their young. Now I know why tigers eat their young? Yes. Al Capone or Woody Allen? Wow, tough one. Um, Al Capone. Correct. Correct. Now I threw that one in as a bit of a curveball because I like the play on words for Woody Allen's life as well. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Tiger Lily, and he has sort of, sort of certainly a track record with young people. Exactly. Uh, yes, correct. All right, number two. Uh, what a world. It could be so wonderful if it wasn't for certain people. Al Capone or Woody Allen? Woody Allen. Correct. All right, number three. You can just hear that in his voice. What a world. It could be yeah, so wonderful for what certain people. <laughs> That's how I was reading all of these. I first read them all as Al Capone and the other one all as like Woody Allen to see like how they would actually sound in my head. But Number right. three. Be careful who you call your friends. I'd rather have four quarters than 100 pennies. Capone. Correct. Correct, man. You didn't make these hard enough. Uh, all right. Uh, I don't want... Very gangster statement right there. That, that I know. That sounds pretty badass. It's uh, and it, like, uh, be careful who you call your friends. You're like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't Woody exactly... Allen would be more like, if somebody spills a quarter on the sidewalk, pick it up because... That's a free quota. <laughs> 25 pennies right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. Woody Allen. Got Correct. it. Got it. Number five. Guy's very afraid of death, as m many of us are, but gangsters sometimes are not. That's true. That's true. N number five. It's not that I'm afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Woody Allen. Correct. All Great right. quote. Great classic <laughs> example of Woody Allen's brilliant it's, comedy writing and it's comedy mind. Absolutely. absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it was a little that was a little like too clever for Al Capone. Um, right. It's a uh, it's not the lie that bothers me. It's the ins insult to my intelligence. It's not what? Uh, it's not the lie that bothers me. It's the insult to my intelligence. Al Capone. Correct. Six Man. for six. All right. Should have made this harder. <laughs> we only have so no, many Al Capone and Woody Allen. I'm just very good at this. Yeah, yeah ex exactly. Yes. Yeah, this is this is this is just a, a master. Good spin. Good spin. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven. I've been spending the best years of my life as a pu public benefactor. I've given people the lightest pleasures and shown them a good time, but all I get is abuse. Oof. Al Capone. Correct. Wow, that was a. I thought that was actually a tough one because both could really kind of. That fits that, both. That yeah. little yeah. emo neuroticism that kind of like creeps into Woody Allen stuff. That's like little self. Yeah, that there. was totally tough. I just felt like it was a little bit too uh, ego based yeah. for a Woody Allen quote. Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. Um, all right. Uh, I remember when I was a little boy, I once stole a pornographic book that was printed in Braille. I used to rub the dirty parts. <laughs> Definitely Woody Allen. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, <laughs> I just love that quote. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's so great. Yeah. All right, number nine. You can live to be a hundred if you give up all the things that make you want to live to be a hundred. Woody Allen. Correct. Correct. You you are up on your Woody Allen, my friend. All right, and, I am. Uh, and yeah. we are number ten. The only kind of hubris that's acceptable is hilarious hubris. <laughs> that was Ben Glee. Absolutely. <laughs> we threw you a curveball, a suck up curveball. You still got it. Ten for ten, Ben. Awesome. 
that was awesome. That was uh, that was the uh, uh, a new game we just decided to bring out just for you based on your Showtime special, Neurotic Gangster. Hashtag Neurotic Gangster, uh, uh, which you should everybody should check out on Showtime because it's been playing like crazy. So. And if you're a part of our Twitter audience and you've enjoyed this podcast and enjoyed Ben Glee being on it, make sure to not only retweet us when we uh, send the show out live, but uh, make sure to hashtag it Neurotic Gangster. We want to get the word out. We want people watching this amazing Showtime special. I love that. Thank you so much. Feel free and play this game with any guests in the future because it's great promo for me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll keep. We'll hashtag it till it's dead, man. Uh, we, I love that. I love that. <laughs> we want to uh, th- say thank you so much, Ben, for being on the show and and taking your time out. We like we said, you're busy. You've got a lot of shit going on. So we totally appreciate what you've done and uh, sitting down and and having some time with us. It is totally my pleasure. Thank you, guys. I also wanted to make sure people check out Idiot Test, my game show. It's on every Tuesday night at 10, 9 Central on GSN. One of the few shows on TV that challenges your brain and makes you laugh at the same time. And might be the only one, other than keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> and <laughs> and, and uh, that's brain it. Come brain. see me do live stand-up in your town. Good. Sounds good. And Thank if you, you want to find so out... Uh, I really appreciate all your support over the years. Thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. And if you want to uh, listen to Last Week on Earth, you can find it on iTunes and anywhere else podcasts are found. And for all of Ben Glebe's tour dates, you can go to benglebe.com. I love it. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you Thanks very lot, much. Man. Take care. All right. Once again, thank you very much, Ben Glebe, for being on the show. It very was awesome. a pleasure to talk to you. That was a great interview. Um, before we leave you today, though, we do need to do plugs real quick. Um... You've already heard all of Ben's plugs, so for Jer and I, um, you can find both of us at The Lost at Home on Twitter, and you can go to our website, lostathomepodcast.com. There you'll find at the top of the bar our store, as well as a few drop-down menus that can bring you specifically to all the other great interviews we've ever done. I think, in fact, if you click podcast, it drops down to a couple sub-genres like mini-pods, interviews, etc. Um, yeah. You can navigate your way there and, there and some find pretty- certain content like this that might meet your listening needs. And there's some like pretty thorough uh, notes there too. So if you didn't have a chance to write down all of those, uh, all the stuff we were, like you said, uh, Ben is a master of, uh, or jack of all trades and a master of all trades, I would say, um, who uh, has a bunch of stuff out there. So if you didn't have a chance to write it all down, uh, we also provide all the links and stuff in our show notes. So you can actually go there and check out all that good stuff um, as well as our sponsor, Bambox. Um, you can find a link to get some goodies there as well, and me, uh, Jeremiah, I'm at Sonic Jalopy. Pretty much anywhere you find Sonic Jalopy on the social media, that's me, uh, including, uh, let's see, Instagram and the, the Twitter, and uh, oh, and even SoundCloud, which we did talk a little bit about with uh, with Ben, because SoundCloud uh, does have stuff as well. It's a social media platform, granted for music and stuff, so you can find all my weird Sonic Jalopy stuff, uh, including the song we're going to be going out on uh, in a little bit as well. All right, and uh, if you care at all, uh, you can find my personal Twitter so account. So such an emo fucking intro. Because, because if well, you because care, the only reason anyone's listening is to go to the show. <laughs> now you're gonna get like if, pity, if you want, like if, fucking if you pity th- likes and shit hey, like if that. You like, throw Scott if, a pity if you like. care, I mean, you know, I mean, if you want to like so and so because they're such and such, but if you care, I'm Scott at anyway. At Tears for Candy on Twitter. Oh, it sounds so emo. <laughs> it really does. It's like Tears for Likes, it might as well be called. And, uh... <laughs> 
and at Legend Tripper with an underscore in the middle. Wow, you uh, just fucking grew a pair of nuts between those two handles. <laughs> I certainly did. Yeah, you're like emo Instagram. little bitch, and they're like, "Fuck it, Legend Tripper, bitch." Yeah, Legend, so, Legend Tripper with an uh, with an underscore on Instagram. Yeah, and, and uh, the Instagram yeah, stuff Instagram. we we are visual as well. We do some visual stuff and the audio stuff as well. Uh, so it's good to catch us all over the place. And like we said, Ben, you can catch him in all those fancy places that we are. You can uh, find Jer's mom under a bridge giving out blowjobs for gum. Oh yeah, it's actually also at Cunt Bridge. <laughs> So if you go to at uh, Cuntbridge, she's oh shit! I really hope that handle isn't taken. <laughs> Getting gummers under the bridge—that's what she calls them. Remember giving last gum, week? Just, just fucking just gumming. She's yeah. giving gummers uh, and getting right. them. And with, getting them. With that said, uh, speaking of social media, go to SoundCloud if you want to hear some more of Sonic Jalopy stuff, including this hot new track that's about to drop uh, with me and my buddy Mike Batigi recording something from last week. We teased a little bit. Uh, we had a story about these pup play. I don't know people who like this culture. If you listen to One Eighteen, you'll know the whole story. You don't have to. We're going to tell you the whole story in this new song by the Pup Boys, produced by Sonic Jalopy. Here's Sonic Jalopy presents the Pup Boys. Bye. Slipping off the chain, chain. Slipping off the chain, I be slipping off the chain. Slipping off the chain, I be slipping off the chain. Chain. Slipping off the chain, I be slipping off the chain. I'm walking down the street with my big puppy feet, about to hold a hydrant with a 20 second pee. So don't reprimand what you don't understand, 'cause I be eating cookies from the palms of the hands of all the sexy bitches who don't give a damn. With a grown ass man dressed as a retriever, so bitch throw the frisbee and grab a pig's ear when I bring that shit. Back, oh word, you got Newman's heart shaped organic peanut butter snack. That's where it's at now. Crank the Snoop Dogg and rat a tat tat on my butt scratch, yeah. On my butt scratch, bitch. Slipping off the chain, I'll be slipping off the chain, chain. Slipping off the chain, I'll be slipping off the chain. Slipping off the chain, I'll be slipping off the chain, chain. Slipping off the chain, I'll be slipping off the chain. I'll be a little dirty dog if you want me to. Chain me up in the yard for a day or two. Even walk me on a leash. Pick up my poo poo. I'll pop boy sniff your butt oiled up and he can text Dalmatian suit. My tongue is like a godsend. I play your trombone. Hump your leg like a champ. Give this dog a bone. Also, I repair computers like a fucking boss. Update your software, remove your malware, then dress up like a dog and suck your dick. We be the pop boys, baby. Slipping off the chain all day, day. Chasing bars in the backyard. Sucking bars. We be the pup boys, darling, on the leash, barking and a howling. Don't judge the things that we do. We're allowed to play the way we want to. We be the pup boys, baby, slipping off the chain all.